Yo, man, it's racial. Well, expand. I like that. Now, check it out. The white ball dominates everything, right? Knocks the shit out the yellow ball, the red ball, right? And the game's over when the white ball drives the black ball completely off the table. Now, why is that? I don't know, but I'm sure you tell me, my brother. <laughs> sure you right. Look, it's because of the white man's fear of the sexual potency of black balls. All right, do you want to start us with the boomerang? Cairo. Yes. <laughs> well, uh, here, so welcome to Marcus Played. Let's get right into it. <laughs> so, you know, we, Derek, we were having off mic uh, a little. Well, I was complaining that uh, he scheduled back to back recordings. So the nasty Hellcat is on the on on the uh, on deck circle, but it's scheduled for ten o'clock. And I'm like, there's no way we give Boomerang this short shrift of time. You're kidding. I th- I thought Boomerang would take at least an hour and a half. Yes. And that's no, I want to do an hour and a half just on Earth a Kid. <laughs> yes, Marcus. Marcus, darling. That's not even getting to, <laughs> like, the, the soundtrack. I mean, we have so much to cover here. Oh, oh God. Absolutely. This is going like- to be like, this is going to be like a, a complete orgy of, uh, <laughs> of adulation for the great Boomerang. One of so this is the oldest continuation ever, or my, oh, yeah. that I've loved as far as that goes. Yeah. So Derek, I don't know if you follow along with the uh, Marcus played uh, cinematic <laughs> no. universe. <laughs> I'm going to answer for him. He does. He doesn't know what show he's on. Right now. <laughs> I wasn't really briefed on that. I just knew it was one of them. Okay, so uh, this is one of those things where it has changed. It goes about month to month on the changes. When we're recording, it's whatever. But uh, we've decided to start doing Mount Rushmore sort of series, right? So this is the Eddie Murphy Mount Rushmore. So it's uh, one that uh, I pick that is that I believe should be on the mountain, one that Mike picks. I think uh, there was a financial thing. I don't know. I don't know what the other two we were. We led with uh, Beverly Hills Cop, which is still mm. the top dog. And I thought it fit the narrative, right? It's like his uh, coming out party is a yep. uh, movie uh, superstar. Um, Hiro is trying to be dismissive about it. The episode that we just did, <laughs> there was some money thing involved, I guess. But now we're here <laughs> to talk about Boomerang. Yeah, which is my choice. And, and you know, as you know, through all of our texts and stuff like that, that I, I had to have a fellow lover of the movie. Because I knew White Mike is going to just come out here, White Mike, you know, with with his John Stockton shorts and his uh, <laughs> and his glass of milk to shit all over this classic film of 1992. So, Derek, take it away, brother. What do you uh, just? I don't know. Let's start this volley of love. It's the perfect film. It is agreed. It's almost the perfect film. I'll say that. end of podcast. It's the Done. perfect film. Agreed. Music plays. <laughs> There's nowhere else to go with this. Uh, it is like I like, like I was alluding to, um, probably one of the earliest films uh, for me that I ever got to see. Just just growing up, I was would have been about four years old, um, and it is uh, to me it's it's a great change of pace for Eddie Murphy, um, and 
unfortunately, uh, most of the films that came after that for him in the 90s were really not so great, or at least didn't hit the same heights as 80s stuff did. So I yeah. think that's part of one of the reasons that people overlook it. Not to mention the fact that it is a, I mean, it's a really black movie. I mean, yeah. a, sorry, Mike. It is a really black it's okay. film. I, I lived through it. <laughs> My pain is over now. <laughs> but that's how it feels. I mean, everything about it. The um, the aesthetic, uh, from a cultural perspective, all the the relationships that they're engaged in, the fact that they're you know running uh, you know these these uh, these companies in what is it New York, right? Yeah, New York. Yeah, it's set in New York. Yeah. yeah. Um, you know, everything about it really just feels removed from like the the normal, uh, I guess, white romantic comedy. And that's probably yeah. one of the reasons that a lot of folks really just couldn't connect with this idea uh, that this that these well-to-do uh, people of color are basically just, uh, you know, they're not dealing with any hardships throughout the film outside of the, the romantic for the most part. And that's not something we were accustomed to seeing. And I think it really threw people off that this isn't, you know, just, just wisecracking Eddie Murphy the entire time, just, you know, putting bananas in the tailpipe or whatever happens <laughs> in that one mil- movie. So some, some money movie that we selected money. Moves, <laughs> this is the real deal. No, you know what's funny is, um, I, I I've watched this movie easily a hundred times at least. And I, I remember the year that this came out, um, Whatever, my, I have family in Connecticut and I grew up living in Miami. So we did a road trip. It was just my mom and my brother and from Miami all over to Connecticut. Obviously it took a, a few days. I think I heard this soundtrack and this, of course, is the era of just radio, straight radio. I must have heard, you know, the Boys to Men song, the PM Dawn song. Five hundred times on that road trip, and it was just—it's everywhere. This the album was everywhere, but you know, it's kind of been a staple for me that I kind of always come back to, and I always got to get something different out of it. Now that I'm rewatching it, sort of like a little more critically, I guess is the term. I was like, damn, man, Eddie Murphy, who conceived of this story and had a huge, he, at this point, he's like the hands on, he is the driving force behind making something like this. It's amazing how self-aggrandizing this is, right? Like he's, he set himself as the sex object, the Lothario. I mean, even like the dialogue where they talk about how he's got the greatest ass I've ever seen. I'm like, this is (laughs) Eddie Murphy. Yeah. Eddie Murphy. I, I didn't know that watching Beverly Hills Cop, like the greatest ass that movies have ever seen. You should have zoomed in. You would realize early on. Does it work? I, Does that work though for you? Uh, the, no, such a change no, no, of pace. No. Okay, I already knew. No. Go ahead. <laughs> what? Here's what works for me. Um, it's when they flip it, which I didn't expect because Hyro was what Hyro just said. Because you have referenced this movie. I don't know how many times, uh, you originally wanted to, uh, because you were the racist, sir. You want to do a Mount Rushmore of movies that I think would somehow get us to Sean Favreau and Chef as far yes. as actors <laughs> writing themselves into roles or producing themselves into roles where they are the object of desire for like every hot actress, uh, of the time. And you love Chef and you love Boomerang. 
However, I guess, you know, your better angels uh, got the best of you and you said, well, maybe we should do an Eddie Murphy month and not <laughs> just Boomerang <laughs> and Chef. I like when it's flipped because I, I am raising an eyebrow hearing that this is the greatest ass that a woman has ever seen <laughs> attached to Eddie Murphy. Well, Angela, I can confirm that Marcus's reputation is extremely well-deserved. You, you can confirm it? Like, <laughs> you and Marcus have... Oh, God, this man, he's wonderful. I mean, he's kind of... Oh, he's magnificent. And he just happens to have the best ass I have ever seen. Hey, baby, got a sec. Marcus, hi. Hi. Oh, <laughs> but when he starts to get shit on for about a half-hour stretch of the movie... I really like it because what I'm not used to seeing and off mic, one of the, the movies that came up, not really related to boomerang, but it kind of fits is the Nancy Myers. What women want with Mel Gibson playing mm -hmm. like the, the ultimate cad. And you see women fall all, all over themselves for him. And then how he dismisses them, uh, the Derek Jeter gift basket, getting them out of his, out mm. of his hair. Always a good reference. That. I like that for a long stretch. It's Robin Givens that takes on the more masculine qualities. Uh, when she has a hard day at work, long day of travel, she, uh, comes home to fuck him and then is like, well, that really hit the spot. Uh, you're, you can now go. <laughs> Doesn't she leave and money on the table? Yes. Leaves money on the table and for pulls, these tickets. And he pulls the blanket up close to his chest. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Kills me every time. <laughs> let me, let me slip in some things that I don't like as much. Uh, one of them actually kind of surprised me. Uh, David Allen Greer and Martin Lawrence, uh, not individually, but like my, I guess my favorite subgenre film is like the, the guys just hanging out movies. Mm -hmm. The like your days and views and everybody wants some that style of thing. And so I generally like it's just like the guy talk, uh, hangout movie. That stuff actually, it didn't gel for me as much. Really? With those particular, okay. those particular three actors. I thought like, they were great. I, well, I, I was just watching the, like the rowing sequence when they're. <laughs> When they're talking about it, he, his wife left him for a, like a, a guardian angel or some shit, I like audibly laugh still after a hundred views. That's funny. Yo, firstly, if I was dating somebody that fine, I wait what eight or nine months. You can wait eight or nine years, and you would never have no woman that fine. <laughs> ah, you wild boy. At least my lady ain't leave me for no damn guardian angel. <laughs> Why you doing it, man? Why you doing it? I fucked them up, but they do that karate shit. Come on, man, calm down. Stop, stop, stop. You're going to get a brother heart attack. Okay, stop. Breathe, breathe. Let the brother relax, man. All right, man. All right, I just play. I just play. Can I ask you something, though, man? What? Did you bang Angela yet? Oh, good question. Good question. I mean, Angela and I are just trying to get to know each other on a platonic level, all right? Uh, oh, okay. So in other words, you ain't hit the twizzard. Not a drop. <laughs> twizzard. What's that? Another one of your colloquialisms for vagina, Tyler? That's funny stuff. I think Eddie Murphy, the way they set him up, he feels far too removed from these guys in particular. I, I couldn't make the connection that he would still be hanging out with these particular personality types. Uh, I did read some reviews. I mean, you're like really, uh, waxing poetic here about it. And this was not well received. And it's like reputation has grown, but like a lot of the, like you go rotten tomatoes, 43%. Uh, 
Uh, I was shocked at 59% from the audience score, though. I expected that to be yeah, higher. But, but but here's the interesting thing about that, right? Here comes the defense. But the, okay, so <laughs> the critics are a sect of of our culture, right? Like, as particularly at that time, they were made mm-hmm. up of a very select uh, piece of uh, of our culture subset. That movie is like the number 18 <laughs> wait, grossing wait, wait, movie. Wait, 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 wait. So, so you call Mike, White Mike. But when you talk yeah. about the critics, it's like, no, 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 I'm, I'm not, I, I'm just saying it's, I, it's the beyond majority. just the white. It's like this elitist thing, right? It's not just the white piece. It's the right? rich it's, whites. It's what, it's, it's, yes, it's white, but it's also elite white. Yeah. You know, it's this educated Harvard, blah, blah, blah. That's, that's my I, imitation of. I just want to made a shit ton of money. Throw in here that Roger Ebert did give it a favorable view. He, he liked it. So one of the big dogs of the time. Yeah. Uh, did give a positive. <laughs> But they made a ton what? of money, so the people did like it. People came out and saw this film. It's like the number eighteen movie of that year, which is <laughs> nothing to sneeze at. It made it over a hundred million dollars for ninety two. That's a big number. I've never heard a more passionate defense of the number eighteen <laughs> highest grossing film of a particular year. <laughs> How much do you wish, Hiro, that it had been the top ten, so you didn't have to go down to? It was the eighteenth best. God damn it, eighteen of nineteen ninety two. I'm just I, trying to imagine my have. friends watching this film at any point. Like my friends from from Powell County, um, this, I don't know how they would have uh, accepted or like enjoyed even like you were talking about, like the um, the three men, you know, kind of hanging out and, and the dialogue and some of the stuff that they talk about and even the manner in which they talk about it. <clears throat> I think that's it's just very um, connected to to the culture. And I don't know if uh, some of those aspects really translate uh, if you're outside of it. If that makes sense, that it felt like a very unapologetic, um, I guess, blackness. That's uh, that's what I always go back so, to with that film. And do you see the Eddie Murphy character hanging out with a David Allen Greer or Martin Lawrence type? Because they uh, do seem to be running in completely different circles, yeah, and different the, uh, personality modes. The, the David Allen Greer, maybe. Maybe I mean he's he's very um you know tie pulled all the way up and he he appears to be a professional at least maybe not um, on the same level or in the same field necessarily and uh, maybe to a lesser de- degree the Martin Lawrence character but it appears like they're like childhood friends or at least they've had a yeah. long standing relationship for a while and to be f- and to be fair I mean like who's to say you know, in, in like for instance here in my personal life I'm you know, saying all kinds of crazy nonsense. Sure. But, you know, the suit and tie comes on on Monday morning and I walk into an office where, you know what I mean? Because when you see Martin Lawrence, he's all, he's got a suit and tie on. Like when they're shopping at the, uh, at the store and mm. the guy is like, Hey, we don't have a layaway plan. I, I took notice of that because all three men are wearing suits. You don't wear a suit unless you're in some sort of, particularly in somewhere likely Manhattan. You're working in a, in a, in a field that has some sort of respectability. You never know. He might be, you know, a closeted wild man. And, but, and, you know, he walks in the office and he puts his best business guy voice on and, you know, he's making deals or whatever. Who knows what he's doing? You know, he could be independently uh, wealthy. Hyro brought up uh, the term closeted. I'll go to my second uh, attack. (laughs) (laughs) There's a lot of gay panic in their conversation here. Like, it it seems like it comes out of nowhere, too, because it's not. It's not anything that it deals with anything in the plot. These are all, they're pretty much talking about who Eddie Murphy is going to bang next week. And he doesn't have some sort of interlude with a man where he's like, guys, 
You know, he's not Michael Fassbender from Shame, where he's just so addicted to sex that he'll just take whatever comes his way. And so <laughs> whatever warm mouth will, will, will suit his needs. <laughs> I didn't have a problem with it there, but it did feel very, um, maybe to what Derek's talking about of the, the culture, very early nineties. And that's not just talking about black films, but anything, especially mid eighties, early nineties, that if you have a bunch of guys together, they're inevitably going to bring up uh, how scared they are of uh, other penises sure. right. being in close proximity. That aged a little, a little off, considering this. This is about a guy that just slays women left and right. I'm like, yeah, I think we've firmly established his heterosexual bona fides. We don't need to put in there like the like I'm not gay. I promise type of jokes that are mostly there in the first. I don't know half hour of the film before we like get the plot running for Robin Givens really takes control of the film. Thanks Dave. I just, uh, you know, I've got to look out for, uh, <laughs> you got to make sure that the Grendel gets his voice up in here. No, I know it, it is. It, it, some stuff is dated. You know what I mean? Like obviously that, that is a very, it's a relic of its time. <laughs> oh, I, 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 I won't. I can, you know, just I like won't. everything else. <laughs> I refuse to, um, <laughs> It's a relic of his time, and it's uh, it's it's like a lot of movies. Some stuff just, you know, we've grown as well. Hopefully, we try to evolve as a society, and you know, and and grow in the stuff. And but you know, it is what it is. Well, even the turn with Robin Givens, um, and that coming as as I guess somewhat of a shock, right? If this were a first time watch, Mikey had said that. Um, mm-hmm. Was it a shock partially because it, this was a film from 1992? I mean, would it have been as uh, you know, would it have been a plot point that would have taken you back as much if it were a film from 2021? Um, I think that's actually a depressing thought, Derek. I think it still <laughs> would have why. taken me really? back. I think, oh, yeah. Yeah. I, okay. I think that we're still not accustomed to that in film. So the, going back to, uh, you know, the, the Mel Gibson, uh, classic, just to get to our conservative base, I guess, with what women want, even in that film, <laughs> The dynamic because yeah, I know how in, in the other episode you threw in the uh, uh, Alec Baldwin tapes, you know, of his recording. Uh, is this where we interject the the Mel Gibson tapes? For, that was for the that was Jared that brought brought that up. But uh, <laughs> in that film, his boss is Helen Hunt, and it's mm. about him trying to conquer her in a way. And while you know, spoiler alert for the, the 2000 Nancy Myers movie, as we talk about Boomerang. Um, while he doesn't uh, best her professionally, he doesn't get that promotion. Uh, he's still like they're on even level as far as relationship. And what I adored, I actually like this movie. Uh, I just don't want to go in for the total ball washing that this, this podcast <laughs> opened with. <laughs> that I actually like that Robin Givens does not break. She does not fold. She doesn't like, she doesn't, not only she maintain her professional power over Eddie Murphy, she likes to personally dominate him as well and likes to have control of him. And I really liked her character. I thought, I thought maybe he should try a little harder. <laughs> you know, I'll her powers. The sex scenes between them, it looks like she's fucking him. Yes. It, it, yes. It's, the, yeah. it's filmed. It's, I was like, oh man, there's a, there's some pegging going on here. <laughs> <laughs> But you're, but that's what's so enjoyable about it. It's, it's the small cues like that, right? Like she, she's taking control even in the bedroom. She's leaving the money, like we were saying. He's holding, you know, the blanket up to him. And everything else previous of that was him having such a semblance of control and decision whether he wanted to call you back if he liked what your toes looked like. (laughs) 
<laughs> so I mean, I appreciate that about him, right? As a man of, uh, we can tell only one of you appreciates that right and, now, and uh. likes to uh, look at the finer details of a person. You know, whether it be the teeth, the toes, the hands. Get get Jared on here from Sober Cinema. Someone that would agree with me that's like, I wouldn't even notice that she had feet. I'd have no <laughs> idea what she's walking on at all. Would not be my concern. Not in the slightest. So she just kept bring up, up my, to you. My second thing that I loved about this movie. Okay. He fucks Eartha Kitt. It's not that she just <laughs> comes on to him. It's not that he just like entertains and then maybe she's all in. He plies her with alcohol until she passes out. He understands the trade-off that he's making, and he puts on the hard hat, and he goes to work. Loved it. Loved it. And I love that it's held against him throughout the film by Robin Kevin. The Kevin's butler. From, even from the beginning, the butler is there, like, <laughs> snickering. <laughs> uh, it cracks me up every time. So, really, he gets used throughout the film, then. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah, oh, yeah. He's the victim. <laughs> That's what I understand about this. Uh, Yeah, pretty yeah. much. He's just getting slapped around. I like it. My women power. He gets, he gets Halle Berry as like that's his reward for for subjugating himself to the, the powers of strong, uh, sexually supercharged women here. I, that's the last thing. So I didn't really like the dynamic between the friends, and I really didn't like the the uh, the ultimate romance between him and Halle Berry. And I think it's because I was so charmed by the Eartha Kitts and Robin Givens that were just dominating his life. That I didn't necessarily want him to end up with like the nice, sweet girl that he hurts her feelings, and then you have a grand gesture at the end where he comes back and says, "You know, no, I, I can't breathe without you." I don't know that that last little bit yeah. felt so out of bounds to the rest of the the film. That last like five minutes is probably the worst part of the movie when he tries to act or like tries to like do, I guess I don't even know what like dramatic acting, mm. and I can't breathe without you. All that it's nonsense. Like- it could have. Murphy turns off the charm. He's like, well, to be serious, I can't be charming. I'm like, no, you can still be fucking charming during this. In fact, yeah. you should up the level of charm for this apology. Uh, and he just, like, turns the volume down. I think part of it's a pacing thing, too, right? Like, the you have this whole situation where, uh, you know, after they're cleaning up from, from Thanksgiving um, and everything like that, they sleep together, all this, all this good stuff, right? Um and they have this nice period where they're really getting along, and it's somewhat cute. Like they're they're at work together, and and they're kind of just making eyes. And Robin Givens is absolutely furious about it because she's realizing her power is kind of being removed from her. I enjoyed all of that. Um, what I don't enjoy, and this is to your all's point, was that um, when he needs to like make amends and to prove to her that, that hey, listen, I love you or whatever, uh, in the most like non charming way. Uh, it's literally like three minutes of content. It's I walk into the school and here's my apology, and then in in credits. And that's one thing that upon rewatching uh, this recently, that uh, I was kind of surprised by how quick that was. Like we, you could have stretched at least that period out for maybe another, you know, ten or fifteen minutes of not just dialogue, but but just something going on there between them. Maybe got rid of some of the Strange stuff just to. No, how dare you! Whoa, <laughs> there we go. Whoa. Just threw that out there for you. No, sir. No, sir. That is. See, and I think that that there. My God, Derek, what the hell? I brought you on here for rational thought. <laughs> What in the hell? 
Can you drop a clip the, the, here, Hiro, in the edit of the names that she wants to have for her perfume? Uh, Afterbirth. <laughs> Steel vagina. Love it. No need to drop a clip, I guess. But I got it memorized. <laughs> it's ridiculous. Why are my concept being ignored? I'm not a fool. I know what the people want. They want to be shocked, and they want to be stunned, and they want to be jolted. So I prepared a list of names... For the fragrance. Wet spot. No, sorry, I crossed out that one. Love puss. Pig puke. After birth. After what? After birth. I'm sorry, I thought you said bath. No, it's English. B-I-R-T-H. Birth. I was just making a distinction between birth or bath. Birth, birth, birth. Thank you, darling. Don't make fun of me, okay? My English is not so good. Steel vagina. You understand that one? Yeah. Steel vagina. Marvelous. What do you think? And that's the... I think that that is the true strength of this movie, right? Is that you've got... Obviously, you've got Eddie Murphy, who is an all-timer, and then you got Martin Lawrence, who became a, a, a quite a big, uh, a heavy in the in the industry, and and all these, and Halle Berry obviously um, grew to be a, a A-list celebrity. But all of the background players, everybody's swinging for the fences. Like you can't point to a single person in this movie who has even a smallest role who isn't just really trying to knock it out of the park. You know, you brought up David Allen Greer, and he's doing all of these like little subtle things about you know when you know his. His uh, difficulty, like connecting with anybody, he's just like the kick dog that he just he he gives that perfectly. And then you go like people like John Witherspoon, who are just going ballistic for a good two three minutes, just <laughs> bonkers. <laughs> just it it to me, I don't know, I don't know why Mike, if it is for you, but that John Witherspoon mushroom sequence and bang 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 was this huge thing in like the zeitgeist for me like it was a very big thing like it was one of those things that people recited all in like in high school and <laughs> as a kid every year you do something new now where'd you get the mushroom shirt I'm trying to impress you you know that I know yeah. now where'd you get the mushroom shirt I got to know well the secret is you've got to coordinate uh-huh. most people don't Coordinate. See, you got to coordinate. Yes, that's what you did. Yeah. Interesting. See, I told you they don't stink when you pull the membrane out. Mama, when you saw me, you saw the mushroom I shirt. Mushroom shirt. Bang, mushroom shirt. Mushroom shirt. But see, you can't stop with the mushroom shirt. You got to go on. I would stop the No, shirt. you got to keep going. Okay. Now, let me show you something. Look at that. Oh, you got on a mushroom belt. Gerard, did you know your pops had a mushroom belt on? Yes. But you don't stop there, see? No, you got to you keep going. What you got, mushroom ring? Yes, good idea. Look what I got. Duh! Gerard! Did you know on the inside was special mushrooms? Yes! Mmm, mmm, mmm. Simply delicious, Marcus. I keep telling you, Mom, she should take some cooking lessons from you. All she do is cook pork. I bet we eating everything on the pig, from the rooter to the tutor. The whole pig, huh? You didn't marry me for my cooking. <laughs> Got that right, baby. That's why we got little Junior over there. Bang, 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 bang. Daddy, no, bang, uh, that's probably. No? I, I'm gonna say that's uh, age coming into it a little bit. That, I mean, I was 
nine years old when this came out. So we were not on the schoolyard reciting Boomerang, and that <laughs> that didn't last until my senior year. Uh, I don't know if it came back for Derek. Was yeah, enough. yeah, it did. I mean, I mean that. This I can't see you in Tangible Teddy just going no. back and forth. On well, these. it's a uh, living two lives, right? <laughs> living uh, my <laughs> Powell County school life, and then I go home and we're watching Comic View and In Living Color and Boomerang and Wayne's Brothers, where you're already seeing John Witherspoon go bang, 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 like every episode. So it was one of those, and you know, this is a really actually. Um, it's kind of interesting, like talking to both of you about it. One of you who I've known for, for many years and we're from the same area. And, and then, you know, Hiro kind of talking about the perspective of this is what I saw a lot with my peer group. Um, it, that, that's kind of re- really what it is for me in so many ways. But no, I wouldn't have went to school and said, Hey, you want to want to, you know, listen to this track, uh, with, uh, you know, Babyface? No, they're not going to know what I'm talking about. You weren't um, going mm. to the playground saying it's a nipple because I'm drooling like that. Would <laughs> no, not, <have> not, <laughs> not so much. <laughs> but this is—I mean, this would have been like a, a black film as a kid. But we would have watched like constantly this and like Five Heartbeats and and stuff like that. So it was like you can quote every like line from this film. Um, you know, if you if you grew up watching it, uh, that kind of thing. But I can also see how if, if you've not seen it before. It's not going to age well, um, and you're going to have some some issues with like, okay, Halle Berry's the the, the ugly girl. Um, they do their best to try. Yeah, yeah, I, like, I guess. What's funny is she's. Uh, this is my favorite Halle Berry film ever. Like I, I don't just hmm. because I love I love everything about just how she plays her role of just kind of being silly and and unassuming and sweet, and she's not Halle Berry yet. Hmm. Um, and that's so. That's it's almost like this is how I try to look at her um, before she's in Flintstones and everything that came after that, where she really starts to blow up. Let me say something else that uh, on the, the aging of this that has aged, for my money, has aged very well. Is they don't they don't make sex comedies anymore, like out and out comedies about sex, which is funny because if you go back to like like the fifties and sixties far more sex comedies than what we get in modern day, which seems strange that that was more of a talking point, even though they're having to sort of talk around it and they can't really put as much of the actual sex act on screen. But this does have kind of a feel of like a last gasp where sex is like the main plot device for these people as well. It probably should be if they're a bunch of single successful, attractive people who apparently have the greatest ass that any woman has ever seen. They're going to talk and have lots of sex. And I think that probably goes back to my issues with Martin Lawrence and David Allen Greer's. I kind of wish that his crew was more on an even playing field with him. And, Cause it, it does kind of feel to what Hiro uh, started this off with where it's like, let Eddie Murphy impress you with all the things he's done, little peasants. And while there's always like probably at least one or two in your friend group that maybe is not in the game, so to speak. I do wish that they had had him, like you know, swimming with sharks to a certain like degree. Denzel, they, like him and Denzel well, hanging out. I mean, you'd have to buff up, buff up the role substantially. <laughs> but yeah, sure. You get Who's someone third, like that. Then? Who would you recast this with? Those two guys to put them on their level, right? Who are you going to throw in here? You've got Eddie Murphy, obviously, as the 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 alpha male. Then who are the uh, uh, the 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 on par buddies? for the late eighties, early nineties, who would be on that. But certainly you have seen it. And I think, is it from the same director? Like the, I know what I'm you really fan. want to say. 
Tom Cruise and Brad Pitt. Well, fix this I movie. Was, I was going to go <laughs> Tay Diggs has got to fit into that role. Oh, what are you doing? What, what's wrong with Tay Diggs? Tay Diggs, he goes into the bathroom and they think he's a bathroom attendant in movies. Like, is, Tay Diggs is like, oh, Tay Diggs is such a small time player, man. He's, he's, white, he's, white Hyro has now entered see, into the field. What we need here is Benjamin Bratt and Michael Pena. So, <laughs> so you're no longer going with the uh, the all black cast, then I see. Well, I mean, if we were going to do this, like, we were just going to be the complete animals. <laughs> Me offering up Tay Diggs as being a complete animal, as him being a running buddy to Eddie Murphy. Uh, yeah, okay. So I don't have the right director here, but um, the, like the Best Man series that uh, started in 1999. Uh, and then they did the Best Man Holiday, which I do watch every Christmas. It's it's one that I really like because it is guys hanging out at Christmas time, mm-hmm. and there's a little bit of a sex comedy aspect to it. But you know, Tay Diggs probably in the first version was like the lead, but he's like become just part of the ensemble. And I don't think that any of them in the Best Man Holiday feel like, oh, that's the nerdling one, or these are the two dorks that have to listen to Tay Diggs talk about how great his life is. There's a little bit of an element of that here with Boomerang. Uh, even though I do think that the Martin Lawrence character is probably the best friend in there. He's the one that strangely, like his arc is, uh, kind of interesting that he's the one you wouldn't expect from Martin Lawrence persona that would come later, that he would be the one like trying to talk sense to these two guys saying like, no, no, come on now, let's put this aside. And <laughs> while also being slightly insulting that it's like, come on now, David Allen Greer, you knew you were never in the game. Like, <laughs> you're just, just be happy to be here. <laughs> Yeah, just just try to pick up some of the scraps that uh, Eddie <laughs> right. Murphy is leaving in his wake. Um, but even the way Halle Berry plays it, she Derek said she's like playing this sort of sweet, kind-hearted soul. She goes out of her way in her performance and the way the character's written that she's never leading on David Allen Greer. That she's the way she talks about him is like, oh no, not not like that. And I she I said think he could hit important. it if he had a bat or something like that. She like openly just says he privately. Hit. She privately yeah. says. <laughs> well, think if she has a if she has a crush on uh, Eddie Murphy in some way, anytime he's going to bring up like how are things going with David Allen Greer, and she's like, oh, I mean he's he's fine. If that's what you're into, I mean that's she probably mm-hmm. doesn't want to. <laughs> she doesn't want him to think that that's her level, right? She wants. Eddie Murphy did maybe think he's her level. And I do think that, that there's this underlying crush that she has for him throughout, um, even before they, they, they get together. So maybe that's why. I mean, most of the scenes in which she's talking about him, it's in the presence of Marcus's character. And so she's probably downplaying it in some regard for that reason. And also because it's, it's David Allen Greer and he, you know, kisses her forehead or her nose or whatever. He misses. On a kiss, mm. a thirty-seven-year-old man. That's the way Hiro talks about Tay Diggs. If Tay Diggs tried to kiss him, that he's totally dismissive. <laughs> get us. He had to get a stool first. <laughs> <laughs> you know, that's an interesting point about Halle Berry because I, I never really thought about it that way of, of the crush uh, ahead of time because she is very uh, like hyper aware of or of his relationship with Angela. She like brings it up and kind of drops it in there as sort of like a feeler. You know, oh, mm-hmm. yeah, you and Angie can go down to to New Orleans and do dancing. It's a sexy town and all this shit. Um, it, it doesn't. It, it's a. It's not an organic statement to right. say unless unless you're, you're trying to find out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So she doesn't want to taint the water by thinking that. Yeah, 
David Allen Greer is on my level. Right. She like David Allen Greer's reaching for her, right? In that Reacher Sedler kind of thing that we see in relationships. And in her mind, like Marcus would be the unattainable. Um, and for whatever reason, and that's, <laughs> and that's how she's playing that. Like, of course, a guy like you would only look at, you know, um, Robin Givens character. Like that's, that's whew, cause she's thinking never me. It'd never be me. Right. They do that whole, I'm your friend, but I'm really the one that's in love with you kind of stuff. It, not as much as maybe some other films. And so I, I do think that's a common theme throughout. It's, there's a reacher and a settler, uh, in, in pretty much every dynamic between those you know, four or five characters. Do you have any issue, either one of you? I'm sure Hiro does not, um, because he, he's already, <laughs> he's given too much up in this, uh, th- this bill that we're trying to sign as far as the classic of Boomerang, <laughs> too many concessions made. So I should just ask the question to Derek. Um, do you have any issue with the Eddie Murphy character, <clears throat> this ladies man, very successful? He's looked up to by other men. Uh, the one that makes the most sense is Chris Rock. I'll allow Chris Rock to look up to him and want to live vicariously through them as, as like the mailroom boy, uh, just wanting to hear about his exploits from the weekend. But do you have any issue that this guy, do you feel like, is he brought low by, and this is a strange thing to say, settling for, in the, in the context of this film, settling for Halle Berry, the nice one who won't rock the boat too much, who won't aspire to control him in a way that Robin Givens does. Do you think that's, is it like genuine character growth from him? Or is it, is is the movie pausing a message that's like, I don't know, aggressive women, uh, too much hard work. (laughs) Maybe you should just, as I said, settle for Halle Berry. If Halle Berry is on the table. Uh, I want to say that it's a level of growth that he has, but I wouldn't be surprised that if all the individuals around him call bullshit, that was the whole, I mean, outside of David Allen Greer being in love with Halle Berry, I think he knows that, that, you know, the entire time they've, they've been friends, uh, Marcus has just been a hit it and quit it guy. I don't believe this shit. Why are you asking? You can't even look me in my eye, can you, Marcus? Did you sleep with Angela? Yeah, I did. Why do you always have to have all the girls, Marcus? Just said a couple seconds ago you didn't care who she went out with. Now you find out it's me and you're flipping, you know? You're being a hypocrite. I want to hear that bullshit, man. This is different. Angela is a nice girl. So I can't be with a nice girl? No. Because all you're going to do is dog her out like you do every woman in your life. Okay, tell me this, man. Why Angela? What, she has nice feet? Oh, it has nothing to do with her feet or anything like that, man. I care about this man, girl. you don't care about nobody but yourself, man. And so it's really difficult for a close friend to wrap their heads around this idea that someone has grown this much uh, already into adulthood, right? Like your personality is pretty formed. It's what you've done. It's what you do. But now you've met this one particular girl who you've had great dialogue with one time and it's, uh, you know, it's transformed everything about your character. Eh, 
I mean, that's how you know most people around him are going to to look at that, and that and the, at the end he's going to get bored because she's she's not this you know you know overpowering woman, um, and it's going to get boring, right? Um, that doesn't necessarily have to be the case. It is Halle Berry. <laughs> that right? does help. Yeah, exactly. It's not like he, in some way, fell in love with a you know a woman with no feet and an eye patch, and because she's funny on the plane, he'll make it work. <laughs> it's Halle Berry. <laughs> so I mean, that, so for me, it's like okay, yeah, maybe he's grown enough to be able to stick it out with Halle Berry. I don't know. I, it, it, stick it out. With Halle Berry, I, I, I think we're we're just looking at her because you, I, in the context of the movie, you also have to look at where she ends up, right? When when he comes groveling back to her, she is a she's been promoted, she's a high level exec, she's got the big office. She doesn't. It's her choice to make. I don't know that it's either. It's not. It's not that he's being dragged down because now he becomes the reacher, right? Because he's no longer working. He's teaching the class. Yes, he's still Eddie Murphy. He still, I'm sure, has some game left, but. He has to reach up to her in the end because look at her stature professionally and personally. She's grown from that and she's no longer, you know, just kind of just whatever you wanted to paint her as, as right. a little troglodyte. You and know, that would have mattered is- more. I, and, you know, I know I mentioned that earlier. It would have mattered so much more had they have given us like more screen time with her development in that regard. Like her transition. Yes. Yeah. It, it would have, we would have been like, oh man, like she's really doing it now that she's dropped the dead weight. And he would have been considered the dead weight now. <laughs> Instead, yes. we just get a scene where her, you know, they've restyled her hair and her outfit is, has changed. It's more tapered. And it's like, oh yeah, you are the, you know, you're having to grovel now because she's killing it. Like that, that yes. took me out of it, uh, on rewatch. Yes. Yeah. It's, it's too abbreviated. Yes. Yes. So I, I agree with you. More boomerang is a good thing, but not at the expense of, uh, the great Grace Jones or Jeffrey Holder. You can't take any of that stuff away because that, those little nuggets are what makes this movie incredible and, and a lasting, <laughs> even uh, birthing, birthing perfume. Birthing. Oh, <laughs> what, what is, it stinks so good. <laughs> oh, God. Like how, like, Jeffy Holder comes into the movie. I mean, he's this, like, classic villain, Bond villain type guy, actor, and he just comes in, he's just wrecking shop with his nonsense. I like it. Good. I like the orange. Good. I like the ice cream. You gotta get rid of the cherries and lose the banana. Cherry and banana? And that's a little Brunella, a little Dali's, a little, you know. Well, that's a little too overt. You know, we should go a little more subtle. I think some women might get offended. All right. But I dug it. I, di- I dug it. Don't make that he didn't dig it face. I dug it. Just, <laughs> just got a little nasty like you always do. <laughs> oh. <laughs> okay. All right. Nasty Nelson. That's me. These were not no sausages in this one. <laughs> Perfectly cast movie. Amazing. Mike agrees. Why, Mike? Got anything else? Uh, What about Morris Chestnut? How's that work <laughs> for you? <laughs> <laughs> that guy, has he aged? Still looking He's for like names. Tw- um, He's 25 years old for about 50 years. Uh, having just recently watched both Best Man movies, like within the last year, no, not really. He's, he pretty much looks the same. Uh, he may he may have had his hair, uh, like uh, just a small bit of hair, very short haircut. Now he's totally mm. bald, but uh, looks wise, no. And I'm I'm just looking for someone that fits your all's criteria that he has to be tall and handsome enough. Uh, but see, in my view of Boomerang Two. Does Eddie Murphy get better looking guy friends 
and then he loses the power to someone like a Morse chestnut. And how'd he deal with that? How? Because we, what we've already <laughs> seen is the, the movie ends with him groveling at the feet of David Allen Greer, asking him to take him back. <laughs> Please hang out with me again. Way too much homophobia for that. I like it. I mean, we're already getting coming to America too. The later years or whatever it is, I think it's doable. I'm Moonlight too. How about that? Oh. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> now coming to 90, 99 for 99. <laughs> Are we done? Are we wrapped on that? <laughs> I thought we were just halfway through plot. Yeah, no, we haven't. We, well, I've got more notes here. You know, oh, we're going to talk about li- little later Eloise time. <laughs> How are we going to go the- through each track? Yeah, <laughs> no, Absolutely. The predatory nature of it, where she's lying that it's my staff is coming. She's full on lying. I'm swip- switching the tab to uh, Kevin Costner now. Moving on to uh, white women. So many white Staying women. Staying on brand. This. Staying on brand. <laughs> All right, fine. It's over. I hate you. <laughs> I hear a girl dog got your pussy whipped. <clears throat> Why don't you reverse it? Don't be pussy whipped.